0: A number of years ago, there was a young man that uh, was struggling. He let's see, he was probably about ten years of ten years uh, old, and God's spirit was speaking to him and uh, to give his heart to the Lord, but he didn't. Well, the next year. Rolled around. There were revival meetings and other such services, and and God was speaking to him, but he did not give his heart to the Lord. He struggled. He was in misery. Well, another year rolled around, and uh, he. responded to the revival meetings when he was 12 years old and he was gloriously saved. He had peace with God. He had assurance of salvation. As time went on, there was, there was struggles and there was maybe lack of diligence. And, and uh, the summer when he was 16, of course, let me back up, he became a member of the church back after instruction class when he was 12 years old, 12 or 13, long in there. And in the summer of six, when he was 16, he kinda of slid back and carried his Bible to church, but, he, but that was it, he didn't open it through the week. Came back to the Lord and uh, repented. As time went on, he got older, and and, uh, as he got older, he, he of course started noticing a certain lady, and this lady got his attention. And he had a he had a deep desire that he wanted to serve God, and he wanted to be all that God wanted him to be. He didn't want to fool with being frivolous, and being involved in marginal things, and, and and being sold out for God. And that was one of the things that this young lady. Uh, got his attention with was that that she was sold out to God. She was not frivolous. She was upright. She had a tremendous character. And she had a reputation uh, in the church and in the community and among people that, that she was right at the top. When you talked about being spiritual, she would teach summer Bible school and, and all that stuff. So they, they started going together and dating and, and, uh, for, for over a few years. But this young man still occasionally or, or still would go back to his, his besetting sin, I'm going to say, of the assurance of salvation. And he, he would struggle with that. At times he would get victory. Other times he would struggle. And uh, anyway, they got married. And so soon after they got married, he told his his new wife... He, he uh, and, and he maybe shared this before, I'm not sure That, you know, he's struggling with the assurance of salvation And he wants to go And, and, he's, and he asked his wife to go with him And he wants to go and talk to John Risser And he wants to get this thing solved once and for all Tired of it? Want to get done once and for all and so they went, and Brother John said, "Well, you know, it's not that easy once and for all now wait a minute that's that's not quite the right approach and uh it's it's uh you know it's It's more of a matter of digging into the word. It's a matter of claiming the promises of God and and, and so on. Well I'll stop with that story. I'm the I'm the one. You probably figured it out. I was the one. So the title of the message this morning is The Assurance of Salvation. Let me get, ask a couple questions. Do Christians ever struggle with the assurance of salvation? And I would say yes. And it's not peculiar to any age. You know, it, it can. It, Satan can bring this temptation to you at any age. And you know, you can have peace for a number of years and then start having doubts. See, doubts is is something that Satan is is. Uh, Really good at bring up in our mind. And you all remember the late brother Lloyd Hartzler. He was an evangelist. He was a saint of God. And and he knew the word of God. He knew Jesus as his personal savior. And he he had a beautiful testimony. But do you know he struggled in his latter days as I would visit him as a pastor? In his latter days, he struggled with the assurance of salvation. Can you imagine that? I would have never thought that. But it just shows how ruthless the enemy is, and that we need to be on guard. And I don't think I think he had the victory, but but it was it was something that he had to he had to reckon with. Assurance is the security of knowing that one's name is written in heaven. That's what we're talking about. Do you have the assurance that your name is written in the book of life? And you know, Sheldon, that song this morning, Abide With Me, that's what we need. We need Jesus abiding with us each and every day. And uh, let's see, that song that... uh, Danny led the second song, Living by Faith. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's listed under the songs of Assurance. Living by Faith. John fourteen twenty seven says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world giveth I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We need to recognize that Satan wants us to doubt our salvation So that we won't be strong against temptation You know, like I told somebody recently If you don't have assurance of salvation, you're done You're not going to witness to your neighbor You're not going to witness to the person that you work with if you don't have peace in your own heart, if you don't know that you're saved, what do you have to offer? And that's exactly what the devil wants. And so, and for the first script, I, I want to turn to a number of scriptures today. But the first scripture I want to turn to is Isaiah 55. To, to really get rooted the principles that are in God's word. What God's Word really does for us. Isaiah 55, in verse 10, the Scripture is so loaded with truths, and you know, we know Jesus used parables. Jesus used earthly examples that people were familiar with. And guess what? His father doing the very same thing. Right here. Notice in verse 10 of Isaiah 55, he says, For the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, maketh it bring forth bud, and bud may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now that's a physical illustration. And it's saying that when the rain comes, when the snow comes, it's sent for a reason. And it's going to accomplish that reason. And the reason it's going, what, what it's going to accomplish, it says it's going to bring forth and bud It says it's going to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Did you ever think about that? That's all that's in the world. Those two groups of people, that is all the people in the world. The person that sows the seed and the person that eats. That's it. There's nobody else. See see how scripture is so conclusive. So in a way it's kind of subtle. We don't think about it. And God, and, and you know, sometimes we see a thunderstorm come through and it uh, just pours down the rain. It runs down the road and it goes down the river and it's gone. And we say, well, that rain didn't do much good. It all ran off. How do we know it didn't do good? God sent it and He had a purpose. And He says it's going to bring seed for, and it's going to prosper. So now he switches over to his word, and that's what I want us to get today. So shall my word, just as the rain and the snow accomplish its purposes, my word comes, goes out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, it shall prosper in the things wherein to I sent it. What is God's word sent to do? Well, first of all, it's sent to bring salvation to man. It's sent to bring peace to mankind. It's sent to bring assurance to our hearts. It's sent to tell us that we have eternal life if we accept his son Jesus and his teaching. And, and we could spend the rest of the day... Talking about what God's word is sent to do. It says it's, going to pro- it's not going to marginally accomplish what God wants to do. It says it's going to prosper. When you think about prospering, you know, there, there, there's just no limit to that thing where I sent it. And so as we look at the scripture today, and the promises that are in the scripture on the assurance of salvation, let's keep this in mind, that God's specifically sent his word to, to prosper. And it's not going to return unto him void. The same way that the rain and the snow accomplishes its purposes when it comes, the same way, in a greater way, God's word is going to prosper. And if we doubt that, just back up a verse or two. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. And so, you know, when we look out and see a rainstorm come through or, or, or we see a late snow like we had this last week, we say, why, why do we get a snow like that? Well, God had a reason, and He sent it, and it's going to prosper. And you know that there's stories like uh, I've heard about flowering trees and bushes that sometimes, when you have the harshest spring, is when they bloom, bloom the most beautiful. There's probably a lesson there for us in our lives. Okay, let's let's move on. I have. Ten points, and I'm going to, I'm not going to, don't get concerned about that, because we're going to keep moving. Uh, First point is believing God's word, and you see, we need to believe God's word, and there's where Satan tries to make us to doubt God's word. We need to believe God's word. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, breaking into the thought here, it says, For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God which we heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is of truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. He was telling the Thessalonian Christians that they received the word of God as as a simple truth from God. And it says that it effectually worketh also in you that believe. See, the responsibility is put back on us. We need to believe the word of God. And therefore, we have assurance in our salvation. Number two is accepting Christ as our Savior. Now, I know this is basic and this is elementary, but when we review the assurance of our salvation, it's for those that have that believe. in, in as the, the familiar verse from Romans, if you want to turn to it, 10, 9, Romans 10, 8 and 9. Or I'm sorry, Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if I shall confess with thy mouth and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And, and that being saved goes along with the assurance of salvation that when you're saved, you shall I say automatically get that blessing as well that you have assurance of salvation. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The third thing is standing upon the promises of God. Turn to John chapter 10. The the Bible is loaded with promises from God, and I think that's one reason that we have prophecies about Jesus and how they're fulfilled. And you know we 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 view that as a spectator. Sometimes we look in the Old Testament, and hey, this is talking about Jesus. And then we see later in the New Testament, it actually happened to the very jot and tittle. Well, did you know that God's promises to you and me are the same way? And, and we need to stand on those promises. John chapter ten. Let's. Break into verse 26. <clears throat> but ye believe not, he's talking to the group here, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Apparently they were pretending to be Jesus' followers, and they're not. And Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I want us to claim that promise that nobody can take us out of the Savior's hand except we ourselves because of doubt and because being lured away in our own mind. said, my father, let's see, verse 28, Uh, which I just read I gave him to life verse 29 my father which gave them to me is greater than all and no man shall be able to pluck them out of my father's hand I and my father are one Uh, this is standing upon the promises of God And when we stand upon the promises of God, number four is that we're going to desire spiritual things. Turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. 1 Peter chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, hypocrisies, envyings, and evil speakings, as. And isn't that interesting? It's telling us to lay aside the old fleshly habits that we may have had, the old desires we may have had, because we're. Since we're spiritual now, since we have accepted Jesus into our hearts, since we're claiming the promises of God, that we desire the milk of the word, that we may grow thereby. And if so, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. While we're hearing Peter, turn over to 2 Peter. The 5th The fifth point is growing in grace. As we spiritually mature, as we grow in the grace of God, there are some things it says in this passage. 2 Peter, 1st chapter. Let's start at verse 3. According to his divine power, he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So notice that promise here. That he has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So he's given us everything as it was back in Isaiah 55. He said he's given seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Okay, we could call that life. And godliness is that he gave us his word that will not return unto him void, but it's going to prosper in our lives. Now next verse goes on, whereby we are given us great and exceeding, exceeding great and precious promises that you may be partakers of the divine nature. And I want to tell you today that if you're partakers of the divine nature... You're going to have a firm confidence that your name is written in the book of life. And you're going to be so thankful that you've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, there it comes back again. We need to watch the lust and the pride of life and so on. And now here's, here's some more homework for us to do it says and besides this giving all diligence add to your faith virtue and i think it's interesting the way the things are listed here Uh, of course you have to have faith before you get started and you got to believe god's word and then it says add to virtue knowledge and then knowledge temperance. You know, we, we need to cultivate temperance in all things. And this is something that we can grow in. It talks about, you know, after temperance, and then there's patience. And after patience, there's godliness. And I think it's interesting that it talks about godliness before it talks about brotherly kindness. And I think these things are listed in, in a proper order. And verse 8 is another promise for the assurance of salvation because it says, If these things be in you and abound, that they will, thou shalt be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we become barren and unfruitful, we begin to doubt the promises of God. And we have another promise there in verse 10. Wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. There are just so many promises that are listed here. <clears> here. <throat> And uh, the sixth point is knowing life is changed. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. And let's start reading at verse 14. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Another promise. We know that we have passed from death unto life. How do we know that? How do we know that we pass from death to life? Well, there's a lot of ways that we know it. First of all, the scripture has told us that if we accept him, he delivers us from death. And he delivers us from sin. And we can acknowledge in our own experience. You can see it in other people and it's so refreshing that... Like my nephew Reuben Jr. used to be part of this church. It's it's just so refreshing to look at his life, what it used to be and what it is now. You know, that that, that that's just such a blessing, and that's what it's talking about. It says that he, you know, a person like that passed from death to life. And, he, and I've heard him say in his own testimony. He, he, he said, I was asleep back then. You know, he he wasn't with it. He, he was in another world. He wasn't in touch with virtual reality or truth. And so, life has changed. Verse 15 says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Well, in the last part of verse 14, he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And you say, well, what does the loving your brother have to do with assurance of salvation? It has a lot to do with it because first of all, the scripture says God is love. And if he gave us eternal life, aren't we going to act like he does? We better. We better. I know we have limitations in our flesh but when the Holy Spirit fills us we're going to love our brother and love people that are our brother in fact that mistreat us or whatever you want to say whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our life for the brethren. But whoso has this world's goods, and seeth his brother have need, and shut up his bow of compassion. And you see, we took that offering this morning for Ukraine. We took the offering for uh, the evangelism, the billboard. Those people have needs of their souls, and the people in Ukraine have physical needs as well. It Says my little children, let not love neither word in the tongue, but in deed and in truth. Like the old story is, talk is cheap, but it says, but you 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 don't just love in. Talk about love in your tongue, but indeed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are in the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if, God, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, knoweth all things. And if we struggle with the assurance of salvation, God is greater than our hearts. And we can just simply tell Him... And you know, we, like I said earlier, we don't have to have flowery talk to come into the presence of God. We just need to be humble and have an open heart before him. Just simply tell him what our need is. He already knows. But we need to simply tell him how we feel. Ask him to fill our hearts with his peace and assurance and love. It says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Notice how how it, our behavior is tied to all this through these scriptures that we're looking at. God's word will not return unto him void, but we have a part to play as well. Let's turn to uh, point number seven is having that inner peace and joy. Let's turn to Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four, verse seven. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which path us all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, this, the peace of God is kind of like a guard of our hearts. And as long as we have the peace of God ruling in our heart, we will have the assurance of salvation we will have that steadfast confidence in his love. And I want you to know that back in those troublesome years that I described about my own life, you know, when it talks about, when it talked about peace like a river, well, no, I I didn't know what that meant. Well, when it, but this, this piece here, it says it passes understanding. And I want you to know what little bit of peace I was able to hang on to. I could understand it. But this says this peace passes understanding. And that's the kind of peace that we want. And when we feel that peace slipping away from us, we need to find out what's wrong and get back and get it corrected. And, and there's, so, there's so much here in God's word that can get us Uh, back on the right track. Okay, point number eight. Turn over to 1 John uh, chapter five. 1 John chapter five. Verses four and five. Talks about, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is a victory that overcometh the world even our faith who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God there again God's word will not return to him void but we need to believe it you know believing is, a, is an interesting challenge You might say, well, that's that's simple. Just to believe is simple, is it? If you really believe it, then you're going to practice it. That's what the next thing's waiting in line. And you need to practice it to prove to yourself and others what you truly believe and that you're not going to be moved because you have that assurance that that you're the child of God. So let's look at number 9, the Spirit's testimony. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's break into about verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God; neither can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If you have the, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if you, any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And in Christ being you, the body is dead because. Of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him hath raised up Jesus from the dead, dwelleth in you, but hath raised up Christ from the dead, also quicken your mortal bodies, but the Spirit dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the Spirit. I'm sorry to live after the flesh. We are not in debt to the flesh, even though the devil would have us believe that. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you do, through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And those that are the sons and the daughters of God have assurance of salvation in their hearts. You don't have to, you don't have to go up and tell a person that unless unless they're working their way through a spiritual struggle. For ye have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received respir- the spirit of adoption, where we. Cry Abba Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's what we need to claim. That God's Spirit witnesses to our spirit that we are the children of God. Now while we're here in Romans eight, let's go to the last point. Romans eight thirty-three. This is a familiar passage. And I call this, I mean this point is called absolute assurance. And I want you to notice as we read these few verses here at the end of Romans 8. Notice what it says. <clears throat> it says, who shall say anyth- lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. And when you when you consider all things when you read the word of God Satan and all the evil empires of the world pale in contrast to God and what he can do. And notice what it said here. God justifies. So if God justifies us There's nothing anybody else can do, not even Satan himself, unless we let him through doubt and temptations of the mind. Who is he that condemneth? It says Christ died for us and rose again, and is even at the right hand of God making intercession for us. And that's something we need to keep in mind also. You know, I heard a preacher say some years ago, and I was so disappointed. He'd been a preacher for 30 years. And he said, really? He raised this question. What does Jesus do? Does he have much to do anymore? You know, he, he, he died for our sins. But does he, is he doing much anymore? Well, the very idea... He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And and it it says in the scripture that he sustains all things. He's keeping everything in motion under the Father. And so when, when we start having doubts, let's remember that if our life is free of sin, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. And I like what it says in Psalm 103. It says that like as a father, he pitieth his children. That's our heavenly Father. He pitieth our children. He remembers that we are dust. You know, he, he remembers that we're made out of the clay. We're not unequal to him by no stretch of the imagination. Now, that doesn't mean that he's taking up for us and saying, well, we'll let this little sin pass. No, no, no. We need to be pure before God, but he remembers our human frailty and so that the son intercedes to the father and the father remembers that we are clay. And so it goes on to say here, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And notice these external things "...tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, sword, as it is written, are killed all the day long in account of a sheep for slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us." And we need to claim these promises that I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God. And I could even throw in there surgery, couldn't I? Surgery will not separate us from the love of God. One more verse. 1 John five thirteen. Another promise that we can claim. <clears throat> First John five: 13. "These things have I written unto you. Now think about the Isaiah passage, talking about the word of God will not return unto God, will not return unto him void. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may know that you have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. God knew we was going to struggle with assurance of salvation. That's one of the purposes that he sent his word to the earth in in the life of his son from a physical standpoint and we have the written word and it says that he wrote this his word came that we may have that we may know that we have eternal life he, he is giving us peace and blessing know it and we can know that our name is written in the book of life and we need to tell satan to get behind us and go on our way rejoicing shall we sing